Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Josh, and uh, it is good to see all these faces here, and it's good to see you joining us at home as well. Um, joining us online, thank you for, for making the choice to, uh, to join us for church today. And um, you know, um, I get the privilege today to um, begin something a little bit, a little bit new, a little bit of an of a in-between in our series here. If you've been joining us, we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians this year, and we're going to continue to do that. But between now and September, we just figured there's a lot of people in and out. And so we're going to do something a little bit different, and, uh, and we're going to take a look at the book of Proverbs. Okay, so now to begin this, though, to begin this this morning, I need to ask you a question. It's a bit of a personal question. It's one of these questions, though, that every kid dreams about. And this is the, the question is, if you were given a wish, a wish that you knew was going to come through, you were given one wish, what would that wish be? Now, I'm talking about like, um, I'm talking about not just a wish from like a genie, okay? Not, none of that stuff. I mean, you know, I'm talking about a wish from Almighty God. Knowing that this wish is going to come through for you, because um, this is not just a scenario that I'm made up, right? This is something that actually happened. And so um, we're going to begin by looking at First Kings um, in chapter three. Uh, this is what God asks Solomon. He tells Solomon this: "Ask for whatever you want me to give you." God is saying. Whatever you want. Now, if you know the story, um, you're going to throw out the, like, the Bible answer. I- I'm asking for what do you want? What would you say if you didn't know the Bible answer? Because I'll tell you, there's only one good answer. There's one good answer. And, and you know, this is just in case you ever get asked, right, if, for, you, know, if you ever get asked for like, a wish, that, that you clearly need to ask for more wishes, right? Duh. Duh, that would be the obvious answer. Um, th- that's not what happens. In fact, what I want to do is, is take, you to take you to, as we begin this series on Proverbs, we're going to take a look at the author of Proverbs, because um, we need to know why this book is worth listening to. And it's worth listening to because this guy was really wise. We know that because as this question was asked Solomon, this was his answer. He said, give your servant, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. That's a a good answer, right? It's a very like noble answer. Like I want wisdom is what he's saying. So verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself extra wishes like Josh would. Oh, no. Um, Long life or riches or the life of your enemy, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, now um, I now do according to your word. And then he goes on. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before you. And none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked for. Here, Solomon finds out that 
he, he actually gets other wishes. Look what he gets. Also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So not only does he get wisdom, but he gets riches, honor, and the potential for a really long life. That's not bad. Now, if he were a little bit wiser, he would have asked for more wishes, right? I mean, come on. But I think he did pretty good. I think he did really good, actually. Um, It is a a great answer to the age-old question. (laughs) What would you dream for? What do we long for in life? That's what he answered, and I think it's a good one. And I begin with that story because this is setting up the author of this book. See, we thought that it would be wise to take a little break from our series of 1 Corinthians, give you a little break in this in-between. You know, in fact, we were kind of thinking to ourselves, well, this is kind of a time where people dip in and out throughout the summer. But now, like people at home, you can join us online from wherever you are. And so, and in fact, as you go this summer, if, if you're going somewhere, it'd be fun to check in with our people online and, uh, and say hi from wherever you are. Um, I think that would encourage all of us um, and join in. But... We're going, to be, um, we're going to be looking at this. And so the, the, the author of this book is said in the first verse of this chapter. Okay? I'm not going to put the entire chapter on the screen. So if you want to follow along, you're going to want to jump into the book of Proverbs. And if, um, if, if you need a Bible in front of you, um, grab it. It's real easy. This one, you kind of open to the middle. You're probably going to find Psalms. Go a few pages over. You're going to hit Proverbs um, to your right. And that'd be, that's where we are. And verse 1 tells us the author that this is the proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. This was his condensed wisdom. Okay, the Bible tells us that he wrote a lot more proverbs. He, he, he kind of coined a lot more um, words of wisdom. But this is what we have of like the best of, his, of the best. So what we're calling this series is a master class, expert advice on living well. Expert advice on living well. And the reason we're talking about living well is because of what, what uh, Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom. Now, w- wisdom is one of those things, that one of those words we, we all kind of talk about, we use, but uh, we don't always define it all that well. And so today I want to give you an idea of at least what the Hebrew word is all about. In fact, the title of this sermon is Chokmah. Okay, now this is one of these words. It's a great word. It kind of clears your throat, but it's the worst possible COVID-friendly word, right? Um, so, so and in fact, I want you to say hokma with me, um, but you got to do it like this. Hokma. <laughs> hokma. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. Because uh, it's a fun word to say, but hokma is an important concept throughout this. In, in fact, in the in the wisdom literature, which kind of begins in Job, but then um, Psalms is kind of partially considered wisdom literature, and then Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. The word is, is almost consistently translated as wisdom. But in other places in Scripture, it's translated in different ways. And let me show you one of them. Um, and my slide is wrong. This is Exodus 35, not 3. I dropped a 5 there. But uh, verse 30 says this, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, 
the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he was filled, he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill. This is the same word. This is chokmah, that God, his spirit has filled Bezalel with skill and a very particular type of skill for him with intelligence with knowledge and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for every chokmah craft every skillful thing that is going on you see this guy could do those things really well I know I'm glad that God didn't ask me to do those things because that's not my skill set, right? And yet it is his. He had that chokmah. And so today I, I want you to think about this word wisdom as the word skill. Because I think that the purpose of Proverbs is to help us learn the skill of living well. That it actually is a skill that you can learn how to live well. Now, you're not going to get all of it today. But I want to set you up because in the weeks to come, we're going to be learning some of these skills. We're not going to cover all of the skills. There's, there's lots of them in this book. But we're going to be learning some of them throughout our time together. And so it's a master class, expert advice on living well, learning the skill of the good life. And so uh, verse 2 of chapter, of chapter 1 continues like this. To receive instruction. This is the purpose. I'm sorry. No. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealings. In righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discernment to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance these are all great things this is what the purpose of the book is is to learn all of this and so my question for you today though is have you ever thought about life as a skill that can be learned learning how to live life well did you realize that that was a, something that can be developed because it can some people are more skilled at this than others though Right? In fact, in a, a lot of ways, in every parts of life, there are people that are more skilled than others. All of us have somebody who does, does things just a little bit better somewhere in our life. And I want to suggest that's actually a really good thing. But the truth is that everybody has chokmah. Everybody has chokmah in the area of their giftedness. That somehow God has gifted you various areas of hokma and skill. And now, at this point, sometimes we talk about spiritual gifts, which definitely is something that, that God has gifted you with, and there's a lot of those. But I want to suggest wisdom, the, the hokma that God has gifted us, the wisdom he's given you, is often in things that may be less spiritual. Kind of like Bazalel, he could make gold things. <laughs> and I have a feeling there's a lot of you out there who are gifted 
in some unique ways. Like, I mean, there's some of you out here who are really gifted at computer programming. Man, uh, you're just, that's just, you know it. And that is your area, right? Uh, you know, there's some that are, that are engineers out there. And, and, and some can, can like decorate <laughs> and, and like hospitality. Man, that is your gifting. There's some of you who are like, you could, you could, you could plumb. <laughs> like plumbing is like something that you understand. It makes no sense to me. But you get it. It just, it just makes sense. Or, or like there's, there's people who can build a house. It's beautiful. There's some people who can, who can keep plants alive. I'm not one of those. My plants all die. But that's just a gift that you have. Some people, some people it's, it's public speaking. You know, that's the, one of the biggest, that is the biggest fear of Americans is public speaking. Do you know that the second biggest fear is death? So that means that if you had a choice between speaking at a funeral or being, that a lot of people would, you know, anyway. Creating jobs. There's some people that are just gifted in business and they can create jobs. There's so many of these types of gifts. There's gifts of, of teaching. They can work with kids. You know, so many things. Some people even have the spiritual gift of making a spreadsheet. Oh, it's a beautiful spreadsheet. I just love that. And that is a gift. It's a, it's a chokmah. It's a wisdom and a craft and a skill that you have. And God has given that to you for a certain reason. And that's a different message, a different talk about what that is and how that gift can be used for the kingdom because I believe all of them can. However, today, I want to point out something about these gifts. Okay? Now, these gifts are given to us for a particular reason. In fact, a psalm is going to take us there. But I want to point out something that, um, that is interesting about Proverbs in particular. And one of them is the, the universal kind of um, application of the book of Proverbs. Oftentimes, you will run across Proverbs that you'll see and think, oh man, that applies to everybody everywhere. And sure enough, it does. In fact, here's an example of one. There's lots of these. But um, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine. You guys realize that, that doctors and nurses, they tell you that all the time. They tell you that a cheerful heart, to think positively, all those things, right? There's a universal side to this that kind of just makes sense in our world. And yet, at the same time, what Solomon is doing here is not just giving us some universal knowledge. He's suggesting that the way that we live, that if we want to really live in with skill, that there's something else that we need, and that is the fear of the Lord. He says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, um, I, I want to just... Take, spend a few minutes talking about this idea, this idea of the, the fear of the Lord, because um, he says that this is the beginning of knowledge. You see, what Solomon understands is that you cannot have knowledge about something that's not true, okay? You, you may think that you have knowledge, but if it's not true, you don't have knowledge, okay? Does that make sense? It, it wasn't knowledge. It was just an idea that you had. So, because What's true is that which corresponds to the way things actually are. It corresponds to reality. That's a definition of truth for you, right? And so what Solomon realizes, 
that if we don't begin, if we don't begin with a healthy understanding of who God is, creator of all, sustainer of all, at the very core of reality, if we don't begin there, then guess what? Everything else down the line is further and further away from truth. That's why it's the beginning of all knowledge. But what about this idea of the fear? The fear of the Lord. Why the fear of the Lord? What's going on with that? You know, um, you could talk about this idea of fear and the Hebrew concept is, is not so much just a, is being scared, although sometimes it is used that way. It could be used as respect and awe and those things, but I think the best way to illustrate this is, is a story. This is a story written by one of my heroes. It's a children's story that we have so much to learn from. C.S. Lewis in, the, in the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Lucy finds out who Aslan is. Okay, now Aslan is the, the Christ figure. He is, he is God in the universe, right? He is, uh, and she finds out he's a lion. And, and when she finds out that he's a lion, she gets a little nervous, right? So she says, is he quite safe? See, when you're doing Lewis, you've got to have an accent. You've got to do an accent when you're doing Lewis. So sorry. Um, I apologize to my wife about that. But um, so she says, I shall, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dear. He says, Mrs. Beaver, because she's talking to a beaver, because of course. And if, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. And then she says, then, then he isn't safe, she asks. And then Mr. Beaver says, safe? Dear, don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see, that's the tension that we live in when we talk about God. That yes, he's not always safe. Sometimes he sends your kids to Panama. Sometimes he invites us to do something that we're not comfortable with doing. He invites us to, to give more than we can. You know, sometimes God's not safe, but he is good. And he's the king. And that's the level of, of awe and a little bit of fear that we should have. That unless you're just braver than most or just plain silly, you don't approach God without your knees knocking just a little bit, right? And that is what Solomon is getting at, is at the core of reality. That's who God is. And we need to respect that if we're going to ever develop wisdom. We've got to start there. And sure enough, it seems that Solomon did. Solomon started out really good, right? But here's the problem. Anytime you, you have a sermon about Solomon, you're going to hear a very large but in the middle of a sermon. At some point, you've got to realize something that you're going to say how Solomon started good. He was given all this wisdom, but 
something went wrong, right? Okay, and if you know the story, um, Solomon started out really good, but somehow all of this wisdom did not make it into his own life because Solomon really messed up. He messed up in some really, really big ways. He didn't listen to his own advice. In fact, it seemed like he was much better at solving other people's problems than dealing with his own. He quickly, as as he was king, he quickly started living an, an insanely lavish lifestyle. More than anyone else before him or after. In fact, that lifestyle was led on the backs of literally uh, his own people who he put into slave labor. Okay, it was, it was a terrible, terrible leader to his own people. He, uh, he did things for selfish gain all the time. He started marrying wives and more wives and more wives. And so the scriptures tell us that at one point he had 700 wives. Maybe just a little bit of excess there, right? And then, then on top of that, 300 concubines, because why not? You know, the, he, uh, yes, he did build the temple, the first temple of, of worship to Yahweh. However, at the same time, he was offering sacrifices to other gods, to pagan gods. And he built all sorts of other shrines and other high places. This guy was definitely, a, a, at best, a mixed bag. And he really tended to mess up things. In fact, he was the last king of a unified Israel because of it. So he kind of really messed things up. So what in the world is going on here? Why would there be someone who is given so much wisdom? How could he make so many mistakes? I started thinking about this and I started kind of thinking that, wow, yeah, this is a, this is like a, that's like a paradox of wisdom. There's something going on here, Right? And so the funny thing is, I actually Googled Solomon's paradox to see if anybody else had thought that. And do you know what? I wasn't the first. In fact, psychologists have branded this concept, Solomon's paradox. That this is a concept that actually they've used, used Solomon as the prototype of it because it fits so well. And this is the problem that psychologists say that people, some people face. You may know people like this. You may know people who have an ability to reason more sensibly about someone else's problems than one's own. You may know people who are really good at helping other people, but have a hard time dealing with themselves. And it seems like the greater someone is at building their stuff here, right? Whatever that, that hokma they have, the, the better they are at that, the, the, you know, the more powerful they are in, the, in, a, in a position. Sometimes the more likely they are to make dumb decisions for themselves. We see it. I see it all the time, right? It just happened this week, right? Um, I, I don't know much about um, um, Boris Johnson. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if he was a great leader, but, you know, it seems like he was at one point. But it seems like they're, they're saying that, that he's, he's now going to, um, what, what, what is that called? In, it's, not a, it's not a president. Oh, help me. Anyway, um, prime minister, the Brits, they do it all different. Um, the prime minister, sorry. 
Sorry, all the Brits. Um, He's the prime minister, and, um, and he's not anymore because he made some bad personal decisions, right? It, it wasn't necessarily leadership decisions. It wasn't wisdom out there. It was wisdom for his own life, right? We see this time and time again. There's so many examples of these, right? Um, Harvey Weinstein could make some incredible movies, and yet he was literally criminal in his personal life. And then you've got people, you know, you've got like Elon Musk, Musk now. I'm, I don't know much about the guy, but we're all a little bit unsure about his personal life, right? Seems like everything he touches can turn to gold, and yet eh, it's just a little of an enigma. But it's not just in, outside of the church. Inside the church, we have the same problems. Bill Hybels, Mark Driscoll, Ravi Zacharias, Frank Houston, the Hillsong. And, and it goes on and on and on of pastors, Christian leaders who can build great ministries, they make wise decisions there, but here, as it gets closer to their heart, they just, they just fail. Now the good news about this is that the fact that Solomon failed doesn't actually give us any reason to doubt the wisdom of Proverbs. Because we know that he was really good at helping other people, and so this book has helped other people and is going to continue to help us. But the bad news is that the problem he had is something that we have too. That we have that same problem when we deal with stuff here, especially stuff closer to their heart. And the, the scriptures say it outside of Proverbs even, even stronger. It says things like Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 7 says it this way. Paul says, I, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You see, he's talking about himself, and here is another guy who gave us so much wisdom helps us in so many ways, and he's admitting that, you know, when it gets down to me, especially as it gets close to my heart, that's where it's hard. He'll say it again in Galatians, that, and this is the reason why it was hard, is that there's the desires, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. It's like there's this battle going on inside of us, and because of that, those, that's to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. We can't just do the things we want to do because we can't trust. We can't trust if those things that I want to do are from the spirit or from the flesh sometimes. And so we need help. We need help. And that's exactly what Solomon is getting at here. But I want you to know that the problem isn't just with Solomon. And so, and I'm not, I, I'm not the one to just tell you that the problem is with you. That's up to you. I'm going to say the problem is with me. And so the way I'm going to word this today is that the problem is that I can't fully trust myself in matters of me. And if that's you, then write it down as you. Because the truth is, the truth is that as things get closer to our heart, as things get closer to all the feelings get wrapped up into it, we get into trouble. We just do. 
with issues close to my heart, I'm not as wise as I think I am. I, I might be good at helping people. I might be good at fixing things and solving problems. But you know what? When it gets close to here, I just can't trust myself quite as much. And that's, that's why Proverbs begins with a mother and a father giving advice to their son. Sure enough, this is how verse 8 continues of chapter 1. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And then he goes on to, a, to talk about a scenario of people asking them to come and, and hurt people and kill people and steal things. And sure enough, there's lots of scenarios like that. And that one right there may not apply directly to us. But what Solomon's getting at is that we need people speaking into our lives because when it gets close to our heart, we just can't trust ourselves. He knows that his son hasn't built up the ability to make wise decisions. And all parents who have ever had a teenager says amen, right? We know. We know that about them. But sometimes we think that we've got it figured out, right? We're the teachers now. Solomon thought that too. And that's why this is a refrain. This refrain throughout, throughout Proverbs is, is basically you don't trust yourself. And so... Proverbs 6 says it this way. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teachings. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck because you're going to lose them. If not, you're going to start thinking with your heart instead. And so bind them. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. And here's his point. He wants these things, these teachings, this wisdom to guide you, to lead you, because he knows that our heart and our feelings do a terrible job of that. In fact, I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to get there. I'm going to put it this way. My feelings are lousy leaders. My feelings are just lousy leaders. He said earlier, I threw this on the screen, but didn't get to it. The heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. You see, Solomon knew that pride comes before the fall. He knew that, and yet he was the most prideful of them all, and he fell. But I think the reason that he did was because he made bad decisions when it was really close to his heart because he was following his feelings. Oh, I I want more. I want more stuff. I need more. I need more wives, right? I I just, I I want more. I feel like I, this is how he acts. I feel like maybe I should, just in case, sacrifice to these gods too. All of his feelings were guiding him and leading him. But Solomon knows something about these feelings. He even knew this about them. That feelings, while they are lousy leaders, he says this, that in Proverbs 27, as in water, face reflects face. 
So the heart of man reflects the man. Our heart reflects who we are. Now, it's a terrible leader, but what he's saying, what he's suggesting is that your feelings, they're marvelous mirrors. They, they mirror what's going on in you. Now, you, you don't need to follow that, but at times it's really good for us to look at our feelings and say, you know, why am I so angry? Why did I say those terrible words to my wife? You know, in fact, sometimes it's, it's even better to get outside of yourself and to say, why does Josh do that? Why, why does Josh act that way? It's interesting, even in the studies, they show that, that by doing that, you start thinking about other people. You start acting more wise because it's a problem to be fixed out there, not so close to your own heart. Interesting. And sure enough, that's what, that's what Solomon's noticing. That we've got these mirrors, this heart is our, a mirror of what's going on in our soul. And so if you're angry, if you're, if you're sad, if you're, if you're jealous, if you're, whatever that is, don't follow that, but look at it as a mirror. Say, what's going on in me that would cause that? And when you do, you'll begin to gain perspective. You'll be able to, gain, to start learning about yourself a little bit more. Because that's what mirrors do. They, they show us where the hairs are all out of whack, right? But this kind of mirror shows us where our, our soul is out of whack. We need that at times. Because our perspective is, is really biased. Oh, 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 well. I'll give you the answer. Um, our perspective is biased. Um, and it's, it's, it's really biased on our own. And the good news is that others can see my blind spot. That others can see my blind spots. You see, that's, that's where he goes. He's point, he points out, that first of all, that, that our perspective is biased by having wisdom preached to us. Okay, so wisdom herself preaches. In verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, Wisdom cries out in the streets, in the markets, she raises her voice. Now, okay, he's personifying wisdom here. Um, wis, um, chokmah in Hebrew is a, is a feminine word. And so it would make sense that she becomes a, a woman here. Um, this is not necessarily a statement that all women are wiser, but, you know. There's a reason that she's always on the right. All right. Um, and yet, this, here she is crying out. Wisdom has to scream at us has to yell at us in the streets to get our attention. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the beginning of the city gates, she speaks, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. In other words, how long are you going to keep doing the same old things? When are you going to finally listen Verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. Okay, the spirit of wisdom. If you turn at my reproof, you're going to learn wisdom. You're going to gain more insight, right? I will make my words known to you. 
She's pleading with us. Her words are like a, a reproof to us. That's what wisdom is. It's supposed to be like a, uh, like a warning, like a, like a check engine light. Like, hey, something's going on here. However, look what happens when we don't listen to wisdom's reproof. Verse 24, because I called and you refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored my counsel I, and, and would have none of my reproof, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, what, saying wisdom, wisdom is, is a ruthless woman. She's downright mean. It got me thinking that ruthless, I mean, sorry, that, that wisdom, Lady Wisdom is a teacher. We have other teachers in our lives, right? In fact, it, wisdom comes after the parents taught. There's parents that are teachers in our lives, or supposed to be at least, right? Um, there's, there's actual teachers. There's pastors. There's friends that can be teachers. And yet, the way we often learn is by learning the hard way, right? That's what this is all about. That's what wisdom is all about. And when you learn the hard way, guess what happens? It's like, it's like the hard way is laughing at you. Because you always look back and say, I knew that. You know, my dad told me that. Why didn't I do that? Right? But typically we tend to learn the hard way. That's the way that wisdom teaches. It's as if there's, <laughs> wisdom is yelling, I told you so. Told you so. I was screaming in the streets, but you didn't listen. And then, verse 28, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but I will, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Would have none of my counsel and despise all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and have their fill of their own devices, for the simple are killed by the turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. You see, she ends this with a final word of hope here. Verse 33, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease. Remember, what Solomon's saying is we need Instruction. That's why he's writing this book. We need this. We need it desperately. My perspective is blinded or is biased, but others see my blind spot. I need other people in my life who see my blind spots and who can speak into them. You may have to yell at me sometimes, or at least hopefully before I have to learn the hard way. And this too is a refrain throughout all of Proverbs. And I'll go through these quick. In Proverbs 18, 1, it says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. We cannot isolate ourselves. If we isolate ourselves, we're eternally biased. Do you see a man who is wise in his own ways? There's more hope for a fool than for him. My son, give me your heart 
and let your eyes observe my ways. In other words, look, I, I can see your blind spots. I'm someone else in your life. And then finally, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is what we need. We need others in our lives. Others who can see our blind spot and we give permission to speak into it. See, the solution of the book of Proverbs is to treat life like chokmah, like a skill that can be learned, like a skill that you can learn. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, you can still learn chokmah. This is, the skill of life can be learned, and that's what we're going to be studying. Like I said, we're not going to get into every little bit of this book, but we're going we're to give you some skills to learn. And this, this first one has to do with what we need. I'll say it this way, what I need. Because I need to treat life like Hokma. And so I want to suggest that I need coaches in my life. I need coaches in my life. Now, um, life is just too big and complex for just one coach. Okay. I just don't think, you know, just one is enough. Um, I need coaches in all areas of my life. I need people that I look up to in different areas of life because God has given different people, different chokmah, different giftings, right? And so I I need coaches in my life. And so I want to ask you, who are those coaches in your life? It doesn't it doesn't have to be like a formal thing where you say, I'm your coach. Hi, I'm your student. You know, it doesn't. Yet there's people that are around you now that can be coaches. People you look up to. People you model your life after. The other thing I need is practice. I need practice in this. You see, that's exactly what, uh, what wisdom was was warning us against. Because if, if we don't listen, then she's not going to be there anymore. Now, the reverse of that, if we do listen, guess what? Then we learn it and we practice it. But it doesn't mean that we've got it figured out. We've got to learn it again and again and again. Because that's where Solomon failed. That's where Solomon's paradox comes into this. That we start thinking that we've got it all figured out. And the more we have it figured out in other parts of the world and of our life, we assume that we can make good decisions about ourselves. The fact of the matter is, we've got to practice. We need coaches speaking into it. And I think we need a team. We need a team. Uh, It takes a a team of people to do this well. You know, I I, I wish that, that... all of, our, uh, all of our small groups, our life groups, our, our classes, all those things that we do here w- would have a, a team element to it. That we would be on mission together, going somewhere together. We'd be uh, joining together to, to learn our skills, how our skills can be used to live better ourselves, but also to be a blessing to the world around us, to bless the world. That is what we need. And teams are important because they they come together in order to win, right? And that's what we want. That's what we need. That's what I need. And then finally, the last thing I think I know I need um, 
has to do with, has to do with uh, a change in the way we look at wisdom. Because Solomon, he was very wise, right? Um, so wise at the time that, that um, word spread of his wisdom, of how great he was, right? And so there's a story in, in 1 Kings chapter 10 um, that, that says that the queen of Sheba came, who's kind of a mysterious person, shows up in other literature as well. Um, but the queen of Sheba comes up to, to Solomon to meet him because she's heard all about his wisdom. And so she asks him questions. She learns, you know, all these answers. And she's blown away by his answers. She realizes this guy really is as wise as people said, or more so, because this is what she says. The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and saw with my own eyes, what my own eyes had seen. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpasses the report I've heard. This guy was so wise she was blown away by him. And at the same time, he was so dumb in the rest of his life. Bring it up to only to point out how sad it is. How sad it is that this guy who could answer every question, knew all the right answers, could just make such a fool of his life. He begins wise but he ends the fool. So sure enough, Jesus brings her up. Jesus brings her up in Matthew 12. He says, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the, worth to, of the, ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, the chokmah of Solomon. And behold, Something greater than Solomon is here. You see, Solomon may have been the wisest of his kind, but there is a new kind. There's a new kind of human. And what Jesus is saying is that Jesus is all the wiser. Jesus is so much more wise than Solomon. So we're going to learn from Solomon's wisdom, but we, we have to filter it through the eyes of Jesus because Jesus is the wisest of them all. And so, what do I need? Finally, I, I think I need a new kind of hokmah. And this new kind of hokmah comes from trusting the new kind of human. It comes from trusting Jesus, recognizing what he did on the cross, that there on the cross, he became the king who is good. And so we follow him. And that invitation is open to anybody. If you're out there today and you're realizing, yeah, I, I, I relate way too much to this message, you might be thinking, that I, I'm there. I, I keep making bad decisions here. You might even be someone who's really good at making decisions in the world, but personally you keep making bad decisions. I want to invite you to turn to Jesus. He will give you a new heart and a new kind of chokmah to, to, to take on this life and to live it well. Let me pray for you. Lord, we do thank you so much. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that 
his wisdom is greater even still, greater than we can understand, comprehend, that we'll be learning and studying his wisdom for all eternity and we won't even get to the end of it. You are amazing. Lord, we ask that you would give us your heart, give us your wisdom. May we turn to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.